We are going to be learning the Sicha on Parshas Vayetze in Chelek Tesvav, the fourth Sicha. This Sicha speaks about the story of Yaakov at great length, how when he was in the house of Lovan, after running away from the home of his parents, he was very involved in tending to the sheep, and his main occupation seems to be as a shepherd of sheep, so that is discussed as length, as well as the reward that Lovan paid him at the end when he was leaving, also relating to sheep. This shows us that his main wealth, his main achievement was through Tzon, and that's what made him rich, as the postdoc says, by the man became very great, he spread out a lot, he became very rich, and he had a lot of sheep, and as a result of the sheep, he also had maidservants and servants and camels and donkeys, which we learn he acquired by selling some of his sheep. Nonetheless, we see that in Parshas Vayishlach, the Parsha Mertz Hashem of next week, when Yaakov is going to approach Esav, and he sends a message, a message to Esav, saying what it is that he has, how wealthy he had become, he does not mention the sheep first, but rather he mentions Vahili Sharva Hamar, I had oxen, I had donkeys. Then he mentions the sheep and the servants and the maidservants. So there the tzone, the sheep, is mentioned later, not as the primary prize that he had, and not as his main acquisition. So this is interesting because earlier, when the Pasuk tells us how Yaakov ran away from Lavan after he had acquired everything he acquired, we learn that first it mentions he took his animals, his sheep. So why, when he comes to Esav, does it first mention not the sheep, if everything seems to be related to the sheep? Before we answer this question that Eva tells us, that every single thing we study in the Torah is really something that's an eternal lesson for every single Yid in every place and at every time in history, especially when we are talking about the stories and the deeds of our forefathers and our foremothers, as we know, Masa Avo Simulabunan, everything that happened to the matriarchs and the patriarchs is a sign for us and it gives us the strength to continue. And certainly a subject which occupies so much space in the Torah, almost an entire parsha, but about Yaakov's dealing with the sheep. This is some kind of Nasinas Koach. This is something that's supposed to add to our ability to do the avoda of our forefathers as their children. So one thing is clearly understood, that all the details that are mentioned in the Torah regarding Yaakov, regarding Yaakov's occupation with sheep is number one, that it was specifically the sheep that brought Yaakov his main acquisition and his, his acquisitions and his main wealth. On the other hand, even though the sheep was his main acquisition, he still translated some of it, exchanged some of it for other things. He sold some of the sheep, some of the sheep for other things, like servants and maidservants, camels and donkeys. And when he went to meet Esav, when he described to Esav what he had achieved and all the time he had been away from him, he mentions the sheep, but not as the first thing, rather as the third after he says, I acquired oxen and donkeys, and then he mentions sheep. So all of these three elements 
really are there in the spiritual avoda of every yid. And now we're going to understand it by looking into what is the avoda of a yid as sheep and the avoda of a yid as a human being, a child of Hashem. So we can go to a medrash that describes the connection of the yidn and Hashem, where the Pasuk says, Huli la'av, Hashem is a father to me, v'ani lo leben, and I am to hear as to him a child, a son. Huli l'roe, he is to me a shepherd, v'ani lo letzon, and I am towards him like his sheep. So now we have a question. If we are Hashem's child, if we are a ben to Hashem, so that is the highest level of connection. So what is added when we say that we are his sheep and he is our shepherd? Obviously, the love of a parent for a child is greater and stronger. It's completely a different realm than the love of a shepherd for the sheep. And here is the explanation. When Yidin are called children, what is the definition of an offspring of a child? The offspring is a separate entity from the parent. And even though we speak about a neshama of a Yid, that he becomes a Ben, and still it is part of the neshama, yet at the same time when we call him a Ben, it indicates that on some level there is Hashem and there is the child. It's not one entity. And the father, the parent, considers the child something important, something chashav, something very significant. And what are we saying there if we are saying that we relate to the sheep? And what does it mean that we are the son? Are we a separate entity or are we one with Hashem? And of course, we know that there are two levels of existence. There is the existence in the world, the way Hashem made the world, that we appear to be his child. And he wants us to appear as something distinct from him, which serves him and does what he wants. But of course, on the highest level, it's all one with Hashem. As it says, it's not a son, it's not a brother. And it's not something distinct from Hashem. But on the other hand, this shows how great, how supernal are the Jewish people in the eyes of Hashem. And even the level of Elokus, where there is no space for Nivraim for creations, before there is even the concept of a created being, even there, Hashem loves the Yidden. And there, Hashem's love for the Yidden is not because they exist as a separate entity, but rather because they are completely bottled, they are completely nullified before Him. And Hashem loves Bittel, Hashem loves humility, Hashem loves when something doesn't feel itself, as the Pasuk says in Novi, it's a very famous Pasuk that Hashem says, His might and His holiness rest specifically in those that are low and humble. Now, where do we see this essential bittel in relationship of Yidin with Hashem? So we learned that this is indicated in the analogy of a Yid, the child of Hashem, also being called a sheep. Because just by observing the world around us, we see that the sheep is the animal in which the nature of Bitlin, which the nature of not having its own will, but the nature rather of following that which it has to follow is more expressed than in any other animal. So in order to understand this, we're going to speak now about the avoda of a yid 
which aspect of our service of Hashem is representative of Ben, a child and offspring coming from Hashem, and which one is representative of sheep? So we know that in serving Hashem, there is, of course, the level of studying Torah. Our main avoda is the doing of the mitzvot, and it comes from the learning of the Torah. And what do we mean when we say learning? What does learning mean? So learning really means understanding. Hashem gave us a mind. He gave us an intellect. And we have to use this intellect to study his Torah, to use this intellect to appreciate the teachings that Hashem gives us. And this requires the use of the mind and the feeling that I am understanding and I am learning. And even though when we learn, we have a principle that when we learn, we should direct our intent to the truth of Torah and not to make a mistake. This requires, of course, a certain kind of bitl, a certain kind of humility. As it says, we say this in our Shemona Esrei. And uh, it's based, of course, on what we learn from the Chachamim and in the Tefillah of Elokein Neshama. We say, My nefesh, my soul, should be like dust before all. And that is followed by Psachli Bibesorasecha. As we know that humility is a prerequisite for understanding Torah. But this bittel is only a prerequisite to the actual study of Torah itself. While we are learning, we can't be bottle. If we are bottle, we can't use our seichel. But we have to use our intellect specifically when we learn. So that's one kind of avoda. Then there is the avoda of sheep. Sheep, the Rebbe says, represents not the avoda of learning and understanding and finding pleasure in the learning and growing in the learning, but it rather points to an avoda that means going out of oneself, going out of one's pleasures and understanding, going out of one's surrounding of Torah. As a matter of fact, the word sown, which we translate as sheep, has as its root the word yetziah. Yetziah means going out. Tzei means go out. And we go out from the world of Torah and we get involved in the daily activities of work in Olam Hazeh, in our world, not necessarily is it easy or pleasurable for the Ruchniyas of Yid, but it is specifically this Avoda that brings the true Bittel of Yid towards Hashem, going out from our own entity, from our own existence, because this is an Avoda that we do not because we understand it, the doing of mitzvot, and the going out into the world to refine the sparks and elevate the sparks of Kedusha is not done because I want to grow and I want to achieve. The only reason to do it is simply because Hashem said to do it, even though we don't necessarily understand it. It's not necessarily pleasurable or easy. It's certainly something that's beyond us. But we know that Hashem wants a dwelling place down here on earth. And therefore we go and we do it. So now that we understand that there are two types of divine service, we will understand the connection of sheep to the avoda of Yaakov in the house of Lovon that we learn about in this parsha. What is really the difference of the avoda of Yaakov in the time that we learn in Parsha's Toldos and in the when he was in the house of Yitzchak and in the parsha of Ayase, our parsha this week? 
when he is really in the house of Lovan. So let's go back to the Parsha of last week. And what do we learn? We learn about Yaakov and the level on the, in the stage of Ben, of being a child, of being a child of Hashem, of being a child of Yitzchak, as it says about Yaakov, what kind of person was he? Yaakov Ishtam Yosheva Holim. Yaakov was a wholesome man, a sincere man, a perfect whole person. He sat in the tents. What is meant by the tents? The tents mean the tents of Torah. He sat and he studied Torah all the time. And at the end of the Parsha, where we learned that Yaakov was forced to leave the home of his father, he did not necessarily leave the tents of Torah, but he ran away. And as we learn from the Mefarshim and from Rashi, that Yaakov hid for 14 years in the house of Aver, descendant of Noah, where he sat, descendant of shame, where he sat and studied Torah. So Parshas told us throughout is about Yaakov as a Ben, doing what a Yid does, using his capacity to study Torah and to understand it. But when we get to Parshas Vayetze, what do we learn? We begin with the fact that Yaakov went out of the immediate confines of a Torah environment. And he came to a place called Choron. Choron, as we learn, as Rashi brings, Choron is from the word Haron of anger. It was not a place that Hashem really enjoyed in the house of Lavan. And there, what did he do? We learn that he worked as a shepherd for Lavan, literally. And he describes in his own words later on in the Parsha that he says to Lavan, I worked for you with all my strength. I put everything I had into my work to the point where the Rambam, when he teaches the laws of, what one, of how one has to work for one's employer, we learn that we have to give it all we've got. And that's how Yaakov worked for Lovan with a lot of dedication and self-sacrifice. And specifically this kind of avoda, not looking at the darkness and the concealment in the house of Lovan. Yaakov was not affected by that. He even says when he meets Esav in the Parsha next week, Im Lovan Harashagarti, I lived with the wicked Lovan. And the word Garti we know is indicative of Taryag, it's the same letters. And even over there, I was able to keep the 613 mitzvot. And over there in that environment, I was able to set up the 12 Shvatim, a perfect group of people, each one a servant of Hashem. And this was all done in the house of Lavan, an environment that seems to be completely contradictory to this kind of life. And Yaakov was only able to do it because he was bottled. He knew that he had to run away, and he, that's what he had to do. It wasn't because he loved it. And we can also say that this is the inner reason that all the wealth that Yaakov earned and Yaakov took with him when he left the house of Lavan was primarily invested in the sheep, because sheep also alludes to the spiritual upliftment that one achieved, that Yaakov achieved in the house of love. And he was only able to do it, not because it made sense, but because he was completely bottled. Now, let's try to relate this to Avoda for everyone. Just like in the Avoda of a Ben, which is done with intellect, with understanding, with selfhood, what happens? 
we have to blend in also the avoda of bitul. There has to be a balance. And similarly, on the other hand, when we do the avoda of tzon, an avoda that is primarily being bottle, we must harmonize that with our own abilities, our own talents, and our own feeling that we're able to do what we have to to achieve the fulfillment of ourselves. Because on the contrary, if we are going to fight the darkness of the world only with bittle, by feeling like nothing, only with humility, we would not be able to do it. But it has to be the way it's indicated in the beginning of the four parts of the Shulchan Aruch, as it says, Hebei Oska Nomer. We have to be bold like an eagle. We have to be strong like a lion. We have to be swift like a deer. We have to use the quality of boldness and strength. As it says there, Shalola Hisbayesh Mipna Adam Hamaligim. We have to be proud, staunch Jews, not to feel ashamed or embarrassed or intimidated by those who mock us. And this Gvura is when it says, uh, be strong. So we learn right over there, the Alter Rebbe explains what does it mean to be strong, to overcome the Yetzir Hara, to be victorious over the Yetzir Hara, like a hero who overcomes his enemy, wins over him, and knocks him down to the ground. Now, if this is the case, that we have to harmonize both kinds of avoda, we have to be very careful that Everything that we do, because we feel that we're able to, and we feel staunch, and we feel courageous and bold, it can only come as a result of the bittle that we have towards Hashem. Yes, it's important to feel full of ourselves and feel great that we could do everything, but not because we are so great. If it's only a personal greatness or a greatness that comes from great self-esteem because someone feels that they are accomplishing, there is no guarantee that they will succeed in the Ruchniyazdika battle. But if it's something that comes because we have to do it, since Hashem wants us to do it, this is going to lead us to the success. In other words, when we conduct ourselves according to the way the Torah wants, we put ourselves primarily as subjects of Hashem, and we exercise our boldness and our strength in the areas that Hashem wants us to, and we don't let it go to our heads that we are great, but rather that Hashem has given us a greatness to do what he wants, then we are, of course, very successful in the Savoda of conquering the world. Adrepa points out a very, very interesting thing. If we look this up, this statement, that's quoted, actually, from the Mishnah, it doesn't just say, have a be strong like a leopard, etc. But it quotes it in the name of the Tana who said it, whose name was Yehuda ben Tema. Why is it necessary to know the author of this statement, the one whom we are quoting? It's enough if we know how we're supposed to be in the service of Hashem. The Rebbe teaches us that it comes to allude to the following fact, that this lesson of being strong like a leopard is wonderful but it's only wonderful and a worthy way of behavior when it comes from Yehuda ben Tema. What does Yehuda ben Tema, the name of an individual, really represent? So we know what Yehuda is. Yehuda is from the word Hoda'a, like when Leah gave birth to Yehuda. She said, Hapam Odes Hashem. 
or like we say modani we acknowledge we admit when we acknowledge and when we admit it's a sense of bitl it's not all about me it comes from somewhere and it's not sufficient that at the outset of the avoda we should experience this bitl and this acknowledgement but it says yehuda ben tema so yehuda we know means to acknowledge and to admit what does ben tema some son of tema mean bipnimius so the word tema is an aramaic word for tomar you say saying this bitl has to be something this acknowledgement has to always be ben tema it has to constantly announce and constantly indicate that the avoda of us kanomer kal kanosher is a type of motion of strength and power that comes from acknowledging that it's all from hashem because if we don't acknowledge that it's ben tema we don't constantly remind ourselves of that fact we can god forbid become arrogant and end up in a way that's completely contrary to what hashem wants and now we're going to get closer to the conclusion of the sicha we're going to go back to Yaakov and then relate it to ourselves and all the details. Even though the major work of Yaakov and his wealth was sheep, which represents Bittel, that was not sufficient for Yaakov. He also had other things that he had as a result of his sheep. He sold some of his sheep and he bought other things which represent different levels. He brought maidservants, avodim, servants, gmalim, camels, chamorim, and donkeys, as we said before. Because in order to do the avodah that a yid has to do in this world, to bring out all the sparks of Kedusha, to release them and bring them into the world and show the elokos, the godliness in everything, and to be able to be mevarer esav, whatever he represents that has to be refined, we need all kinds of ways of serving Hashem, not only sheep, but also whatever is represented by the other things that Yaakov acquired in exchange for some of his sheep. So here we learn two lessons. One thing is, the Rebbe says, that the increasing of the wealth with the different aspects that Yaakov bought through his sheep, through exchanging his sheep, is not an avoda in itself, but it is really a part of the work of Bittel. Because he was bottle, he also knew that the Bittel wasn't enough. Hashem wanted him to exercise his own greatness, his own unique characteristics in the service of Hashem. And even if he did sell some of his sheep, he didn't sell all of his sheep to exchange his sheep for other acquisitions. Nor on the contrary, on the other hand, the sheep that he Re allowed to remain with him that remained as the main basis the main base of his wealth because when one is fighting a battle with a concealment and the darkness of the world which requires strength there still has to be underlying that strength always the feeling of bittle that is really the basic most fundamental uh aspect that a yid has to experience and if one feels that way, then all the other positive traits that a person incorporates in his or her avoda will be able to lead him in the right direction and not chas to the wrong direction. 
Now we can answer the question. We can understand why, even though the whole parsha talks about Yaakov's avodah primarily with the sheep, but when Yaakov sent a message to Esav, he did not mention sheep first. First, he mentioned other dimensions of his wealth. What did he say? He said, I lived by Lovan, etc. And I had oxen and camels and sheep and servants and maidservants. He wanted to indicate to Esav all the merits and all the supernal koichais, all the supernal abilities and powers that he had that would be a schus for him. He was trying to frighten Esav from starting up with him and trying to get rid of those qualities that he had. And if Esav would see that Yaakov is so rich in all of these merits, which is represented by all sorts of wealth, Yaakov would maybe not be able to hurt him the way he wanted to. And therefore he did not begin or put the sheep first because sheep is, as we said, indicates bitul, indicates subordination because he had to frighten Esav. Esav had to know that Yaakov is courageous, that Yaakov has strength, that Yaakov has power. Indeed, he has to know that Yaakov has sheep also, which is bitul. And that shows that Yaakov's strength and Yaakov's co-host are not really created by Yaakov. They don't come from him. But it's something which, which comes from Kedusha. And what are, we, what are we? And it has that strength. And we are trying to frighten Esau with that strength that comes from Kedusha and is also manifest in all the other things that Yaakov has. Now, let's go on and take the lesson for us in our generation. Because the main rechush, the main wealth that a Yid has is this sheep, is this bitl, and if everything derives from there, then the journey to purify the world and to elevate the world and refine it will be much smoother and certainly very successful. So the basic literal lesson of all the above for us in our generation is, first of all, there has to be the avoda of Vayetze. That's the Parsha. Vayetze, Yaakov. Yaakov went out. The job of the Yid is to go out of his own comfort zone and illuminate the world. And one has to prepare for this with studying Torah and sitting in yeshiva and learning. We have to become very wealthy in our knowledge. We have to be able to conquer the world and we have to precede it. We have to have, of course, the learning of Torah. And we have to also know that the learning of Torah is really for the purpose of going out and using this Torah to illuminate the world. And then the Rebbe quotes from Tanya, as the Alta Rebbe writes, Be'itim halolu, in our times, in the Iqvasa de Mashiach, at the times that we are on the hills of Mashiach, the main avoda is in doing, in maisa. Whereas at the time of the Talmud, the time of the Mishnah, the main avoda was the study of Torah. But as the din is brought in Shulchan Aruch, in our time, we don't have the category of avoda that's called Torah umnasol, like Shemar Bar Yochoi, where the main profession, the main trade was Torah. Study of Torah was paramount, and it came before and it overtook everything. But in our world, this is not the avoda, even for a minority of Yidin. 
because the main avoda in our time is what we call asiya. The Alter Rebbe calls it Maisa going out and doing things and helping other yidin. And the Rebbe indicates specifically in our generation, in this generation, when it's not only about going out and doing something in the world, but the Rebbe uses the word that there has to be an occupation. So uvzuchun idin was blunjan to search out those Jews who are wandering lost in the darkness of the Golos. And set them up in a direction, in a corner of light, the light of the candle of mitzvah and the light of Torah. And this is not so much about finding other Yidin who may be ignorant of Torah and making them into great Torah scholars. It's not so much that the lesser scholar should become a greater scholar. It's not so much that one who is not so careful with mitzvot should become a great Yerei Shamayim, but the Rebbe says that in our time, this going out to find other Jews and lead them to Torah and mitzvot, the Rebbe uses the term Hatzolos Nefashos Mamish. It is literally saving lives, saving souls, because what are we doing? We are saving the soul of a Yid, and the children of the Yid, and the children of the children, until the end of all time, that all the descendants of this Yid should Zolom Eden. The point is, not that they should be more learned or less learned, but that in their succeeding generations, they should all remain Yidin, and at least conduct themselves regarding their deeds, regarding their Maisa, the way a Yid has to conduct himself or herself. And in conclusion, the Rebbe mentions one more point with regard to this avoda, that in order that this avoda should be with success, with great success, it must be done as a result of Bittl. One must do it, not because it's exciting or it's good, or one is going to accomplish something for themselves, but one must do it because this is the shlichus of Hashem. What Hashem wants from us in our time is simply to illuminate the darkness of Golos. And when we do this, not because we feel ourselves and we feel it's a good thing to do, but because this is what Hashem wants, the Rebbe says, it doesn't matter what the delineations of nature and natural feelings and inclinations are about, it doesn't matter if it seems yishmak, if it seems good, if we enjoy it or not. It doesn't even matter where one ends up in the shlichas that he has in this world, no matter which place and which situation the Hashgacha Pratis brings a yid, in any category of yid that one comes into contact with, one has to throw oneself in with all one's powers and with great force to set up, as it says in Pirkei Ovos, Vahamidu Talmidim Harbe, stand up, set up. Many students can then stand on their own feet in a level that's above anything natural and expected in a matter of the wealth of Yaakov, where the Pesach says, Vayifro Tzaish, he b- broke through. Ma'od, ma'od, he became very, very great, very, very wealthy. And in conclusion, the Rebbe says that when we go with this idea, with this mindset, that we have to fulfill the shlichus of the Eivishter. We will succeed with all categories of students. If we look in our parsha, 
we have this deal that Lavan made with Yaakov, which sheep will ultimately belong to Yaakov, which sheep will ultimately belong to Lavan, if they'll be speckled or striped or whatever it is in that section of the Parsha. And whatever it is, we learned that all the sheep that were born ended up being Yaakov's sheep. So the Rebbe says, all the sheep were born, referring to all the students that we will raise up in this manner. They will all turn out the way they are supposed to. And the way Rashi describes how the sheep multiplied with such incredible intensity that they will be greater, stronger, more plentiful, more fruitful than all other sheep. And they will all be perfect like the children of Yaakov. None of the Talmidim who we raise in this manner will have any flaws. And in conclusion, the Rebbe says these words, which we'll read in the Rebbe's language, in Yiddish, und das great zu jeden id, this prepares every yid, und alle iden, and all yidn, to the geula hamitzis v'hashleima, to the true and complete geula. Was by der geula vet kein ein id nit bleiben in golos. At this geula, no one single Jew will remain in golos. As the prophet tells us, as the prophecy as the Navi tells us in Yeshaya, that Hashem will make sure that every single Yid will be gathered one by one. Hashem literally, with his hands, will take every single Yid from his place. And the Rebbe ends with the words that we are experiencing this year from Yirmiyahu, the prophecy that Kohol Godol Yoshuvu Heina. This year it has a specially potent meaning that a great congregation, all Yidden, will return with Mashiach to Yerushalayim, to the Beis HaMikdash, Bekar of Mamish. May we merit by learning these sikhas and trying to live like we are taught by our Rebbe, by our Torah, that we should merit to experience this immediately. Thank you.